So what do you look for in a guy? Oh, I'm just looking for a nice guy who's cute, funny, kind, and just overall a great guy. That sounds reasonable. What do you think about- The kind of guy that can be my knight in shining armor, my Mr. Ray. Right, someone who is- A man who's assertive, who knows what he wants, but also lets me have my way whenever I want it. A guy who has a perfect body, but does not put mine to shame. A well-groomed man, but with a thick beard and messy hair, like a GQ lumberjack. He has to make me laugh all the time, as long as he's dead serious whenever I want to talk with him. I don't want him to be super rich, but he needs to be able to buy me a huge diamond ring, a stunning white horse, and a beach house on each coast. Loudly confident, yet meek and mild. Tall, but around my height, I don't expect too much. And he needs to have blue eyes, definitely. Er, maybe green, or brown. Well, I guess Hazel's cute too. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was 11 years old, I was about in fifth grade. And it was recess, and I did what every young man does at recess. I played basketball, I played kickball with the guys, and I got all sweaty, and it was awesome. I loved recess. But something changed one day, something that caught my attention. You see, we were playing a normal game of pickup basketball, we were getting all sweaty, and then all of a sudden I noticed something. It caught my attention. Her name was Nicole. She was really cute. She wore these cute glasses. She had brown curly hair. She dressed really pretty. And as I watched her walk by, I said in my heart as an 11-year-old boy, this was the first time I've ever experienced that like crush factor. And I said in my heart, I want her to be my girlfriend. And so I went home and I began to strategize and figure out how, how I make this happen. And so I did what most kids did. I got a letter and I wrote to her, will you be my girlfriend? I put a couple hearts on there, you know, some hugs and kisses, a smiley face. And then I said, please circle one, yes or no. And so I thought, okay, well, I got to build up the courage to give this to Nicole, like, how in the world am I going to make this happen? Like, I got to do my hair. I got to get it all figured out. And I realized that I didn't have enough courage to give it to her, so I did what everybody else did. I gave, found her best friend. I was like, hey, can you give this to Nicole? And so I gave it to her friend, and she walked back to N Nicole, and I waited. And man, I, I dreamed about that moment where that card came back, and that was circled in a heart of yes. You know, like I couldn't wait. I dreamed and I fantasized that moment where Nicole would be all mine. So that day came. And Nicole's best friend, she walked up and she handed me the card that I wrote. And my heart was crushed. Because Nicole circled no. Jerk. <laughs> But it was almost like Nicole was saying, you know, Drew, it's not you, it's me. And isn't that like the most famous breakup line in our world today? You know, when you don't want to tell the truth and the person's just crazy, it's not you, it's me. 
And we're starting a brand new series called that. It's not you, it's me, where we're talking about relationships, specifically intimate relationships, like dating and marriage. And what we're doing for the next four weeks is we're going to be walking through some cultural myths that really about dating and about marriage that we really believe, that we've bought into, that we, we think are actually true, but those myths are actually wreaking havoc and destroying our relationships. So if you have your Bibles, you can jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And if you don't have a Bible with you, you're new to church, we would love to provide one for you at all of our locations. And if you're using one of our Bibles, it's going to be found on page 932. I'd also encourage you, you know, if you have an Apple device or an Android, maybe it might not work on an Android because it's not an Apple. I'm just saying that's a joke. But we have an app, go figure, we have a Northridge app, and what's amazing about the app is during Sundays you can actually log on your app and all your notes are in there and they will stay with you if you fill them out every single week. So I'd encourage you to do that as well. But we're jumping into this series and before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I just want to welcome you to Northridge Church. I know for some of you it was a big step to come to church today. You haven't been to church in a while. And I just want to say thanks for being here. Whether you've been coming for, like this is your first time, or you've been coming for a really long time. Thanks for being here. Whether you're at Webster or Greece or Arondacoit or you're with us online. Thanks for just taking some time and hanging out with us. We are excited that you're here. And we're talking about relationships. And relationships are hard. They're difficult. And before we go too far, I want us to understand one thing before we jump into this series. You and I, every single one of us, we were designed for relationships. We were designed for relationships. I mean, if you go all the way back to the beginning and you believe that God created the the, the world and everything, as God was creating, he made Adam. And Adam was working the garden, he was tending the animals, and God noticed something wasn't exactly right. There was something that wasn't good. In fact, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says this. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, for just a second, if you're a guy at one of our campuses, you should just, after I read it, you should be like, amen, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Because in this moment, God notices Adam is alone, and he says, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh. I got to fix this. And he creates Eve. He creates the female race. And guys, I'm just being honest. In your Bible, this should be highlighted, underlined, and it should say, praise Jesus, hallelujah, amen. (laughs) Maybe someone doesn't feel that way. (laughs) But we're designed for relationships. In fact, that's why we as a church, anybody who comes to one of our campuses, we push you as fast as we can to a community group. Because life is too hard to do by yourself. And in the storms of life, we want to push you to relationships that will walk with you through life. And in fact, if you're not plugged into a community group, I would just beg with you, man, now's the time. Now is the time because we're launching them next week. All you got to do is sign up on your connection card. We will follow up with you and we will plug you into relationships because God designed us to be in them. And as we jump into this series and we talk about different myths, I want to start with the first one. And it's this. The right person will make everything be all right. The right person, if I just find Mr. or Mrs. Right, all my problems will go away. Have you heard that one before? I mean, some of us believe it. Some of us are married now, and we can remember back to when we were in the dating game. 
And we can remember thinking that. We've maybe been through a couple relationships and we just encouraged ourselves by saying, hey, I know those two didn't work out, but God's got somebody who's perfect for me and he's drawing it up. And if I just find that right person, just all my problems will go away. Some of you are dating right now and you're banking on this myth because you've been through relationship after relationship and you think, well, those weren't the right ladies or those weren't the right, right guys. And the moment I find that right person, everything happily ever after, here I come. And we've really kind of just believed this. But there's a couple problems with this myth. You see, every relationship that we jump into, every intimate relationship that we're in starts with this one word. It's called chemistry. Chemistry is the spark. It's the spark that draws you to somebody else. It's the fact that you have common interests. It's the fact that you guys can talk and there's no problem at all, no awkward silence. I remember when Ashley and I first started dating. Ashley is my wife, if you don't know who she is. And in the first couple weeks of our dating relationship, we lived around three and a half hours apart from each other. I was home from college, and she lived in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And so we had some distance. It wasn't like we could see each other on a regular basis. And so we would spend a majority of our nights talking. I would get done with work around 7 p.m., and I would call her, and we would talk from 7 p.m. to about 4 a.m. My dad probably wondered why I didn't get any work done. That was why. But we had this chemistry, this, this spark. And some of you have experienced that. Chemistry is a good thing. You want chemistry in your marriage, and you want chemistry in your dating relationships. But here's the problem with chemistry is oftentimes we get so enthralled in our chemistry and the butterflies in our hearts because it feels so good and he talks to me like no other man has talked to me. And chemistry blinds us to potential problems. Chemistry blinds us. It almost puts these blinders up and, 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 and these red flags are going off in the relationship, but we are so like in love and it's real and it's amazing and we often miss the red flags that are throwing up. In fact... Chemistry causes us to compromise, especially in dating relationships. I know he doesn't really love God that much, but I've never met a man who talks to me that way. And so we compromise because we have chemistry. I know she has an addiction, but I'm just telling you, she just loves me like nobody has. And our chemistry, which is a good thing, causes us to compromise and overlook the problems that we can see in a relationship because we're so enthralled with our chemistry. The second problem with this myth is, really deals with the implications of sin. You see, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, it says this. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what that simply means is you and I, every single one of us, we are sinners. We're flawed individuals. We've sinned against God. But I don't know why, for some reason, when we jump into a relationship, we think our sin doesn't really matter. We think, I got no big deal. I know I'm flawed, and I know she's flawed. But all that stuff will kind of take care of itself, and everything will be good. And the problem is, is when you take sinner and you add another sinner, it doesn't equal less sin. When you take sinner and you add another sinner, it does not equal less sin. In fact, it creates probably a little bit more problems. But we look at relationships as a math equation. You know, in math, you take a negative and a negative and you bring it together, it creates a positive. And we just view our relationships that way. I know that I've got 
some junk, and I know she's got some junk, but, you know, when we come together, all that junk just kind of goes away, and everything's good. The ramifications of sin is real, and it often has a tendency to create problems in our relationships. In fact, some of you are married today, and you're still dealing with those implications of sin, of choices you made in your past that are affecting your marriage today. But oftentimes we don't think of it that way. Third and final reason why this myth is kind of messed up is, and I just wish I would have took this advice. I wish as a high schooler, I wish as a college student, I wish in the dating game, I really would have let this sink into my heart and actually lived it out. But I want you to understand something. Your present will become your past. And your past will be present in your future. Let me say that again so it sinks in. Your present will become your past, and your past will be present in your future. If you're a high school student today, or you're a college student today, or you're single and you're dating, I want you to understand, although you might be in high school or in college, and you think, no big deal, no big deal, these relationships don't really matter, I just want to have fun. I'm telling you right now, the, the choices you make now will follow you to your future marriage. I promise you, I know we think like our past is our past and it just stays in the past and we don't have to worry about it. That will just stay there. But the truth is, is the choices you make now and your present will become your past. And that past, I promise you, will be present in your future. One of the hardest things I had to do is look into the eyes of the woman I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And tell her all the mistakes I made with other people. Tell her all the things that I couldn't give to her because I gave it away already. And some of you are dealing with that in your marriage right now. Your past, if you're married today, you know this to be true. Because that past followed you into your marriage. And it's wreaking havoc right now. And we just think, and I'm begging with you, you high school student, college, if you're in the dating game, recognize the choices you make right now will affect that future spouse that you want to hang out with and you want to love. Because your present will become your past and your past will be present in your future. Timothy talks a little bit about this. He says, the sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. But the sins of others trail behind them. Be careful of the choices you make now, because they will affect your later. But ultimately, these three issues with this myth, the right person makes everything all right, lead to this major problem, the ultimate problem with this myth. And it's simply this. No human will ever ultimately complete you. No human being will ever ultimately complete you. Now, I know, I know what we watch the movies and we watch Tom Cruise say to Renee Zellweger, You complete me. <laughs> and all the ladies were like, Oh my word, he does, I know it. And all you guys, I know, you were crying in that moment. At least that's what Nathan Miller told me. Sorry, Nate. Secret's out. But we buy into it. We think like, oh, there is that perfect person who will just be my puzzle piece. And when they come together and we come together, it's going to be magical and nothing can stop us. They'll complete me. And we believe it. 
We really do, but the problem is, is we go into relationship after relationship and we place that expectation on that person. We say, hey, this person, if they're the right person, they will fulfill all my needs and they will give my life purpose and they will give me significance. And we place expectations like that on people who can never fulfill them. And we wonder why our relationships don't work out. Some of you, you've been through relationship after relationship, maybe even marriage after marriage, and you're like, why isn't this working? And, and you're asking the question, is there something wrong with me? And the truth is, is there's nothing wrong with you. You're just looking for meaning and purpose in the wrong place. Because the only person, the only person who can satisfy those desires of meaning and satisfaction and value is found in Jesus. He's the only one who can give your life meaning. He's the only one who can satisfy every desire that you have. And I'm just glad today that my wife doesn't look to me to give her life purpose. I'm glad today that my wife doesn't look to me to fulfill every single need that she has because she already has that in her Savior, Jesus. In fact, Colossians, we just did a series on Colossians. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the four weeks. But Colossians chapter 2, 9 through 10, it says, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ... Not in your relationships, not in your marriage, not with your spouse. It says, in Jesus Christ, you have been brought to fullness. See, some of you, you're looking for significance and meaning and purpose in all the wrong places. And I would tell you, the only place you can find that is at the cross of Jesus Christ. And if you choose to embrace his love, you'll look at relationships completely different because you won't be placing expectations on a person that can never fully satisfy that. So if those are the problems with the myth, if the right person isn't going to make everything all right, what's the solution? If there's the problem, what's the solution? And I think we find the answer to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 4. It says this, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Now here in Corinthians, Paul's the author. And if you're new to church, a lot of us know that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is called the love chapter, where Paul defines what love is. And when you think about relationships, whether it's dating or a marriage, all of us are in this pursuit of that word, love. We just want somebody to love us. Whether it's our spouse or it's a significant other, we're in this pursuit of, of obtaining that word love. And what's interesting is here Paul defines what love is. But do you notice he never gives us any pickup lines to find the right person? Do you notice Paul says nothing about finding somebody? I mean, he could have easily been like, okay, when you're looking for a spouse, here's what you need to search for. But he doesn't. You know what he does? He describes who you should be. He defines love by giving us attributes 
that we should have. And ultimately, here's what Paul is getting at. True love isn't looking for somebody, it's being somebody. True love is not this pursuit of finding Mr. or Mrs. Right. Like, if I just find them, man, I hope I'll, I'll have everything I need. Paul says, no, stop looking for somebody and start being what love is. Because love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It always trusts, always perseveres. Andy Stanley did a series similar to this called New, Sex, New Rules for Sex, Love, and Dating. And he, this is what he says in his series. He says, every relationship is an opportunity to practice becoming the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. He opens it up to every single relationship. He says, hey, that relationship with your coach or your teacher, that relationship with your boss or, or your neighbor, that relationship is an opportunity for you to become somebody, to become the somebody you're looking for. I would say it like this. The key to relationships isn't finding the right person. It's becoming the right person. The key to relationships is not finding Mr. or Mrs. Right. It's becoming Mr. or Mrs. Right. But that leads me to a question. Why do we spend all of our energy? Why do we spend all of our time looking for somebody? I mean, seriously, if you're in the dating world, I bet you a majority of your time is spent trying to find that person. And yet, we don't spend much time working on us. If you're married, most of us as, as married people, we want our spouse to change in certain areas. And what's interesting about marriage is we're all looking for that A-plus spouse, but we're okay being C-pluses. I mean, seriously, we're okay being like, well, you have to do this and this and that. But me, I'm good. I'm good being average. Same with dating. And we want to find the most godly man or woman. But are you that? Is that who you are? You see, there was a girl in high school, and she was on this pursuit that we're talking about. She was on this pursuit trying to find love. And it was a good desire. She just wanted to find a guy who would treat her right, who would respect her. And so she chased after this pursuit. It became something she was passionate about, and she went after it. The problem was, is something that was good that she was chasing after, she ended up compromising. She went from relationship to relationship, desiring somebody to love her. But eventually, guys figured out that if they just said the right words, they'd be able to get what they wanted. And so she went through relationship after relationship, and she would just give herself away looking for love. And it got to the point where this young lady got a reputation of being promiscuous. She was the girl who was known for getting around. But one day, something changed. This girl found the guy she was looking for. He was a Christian guy. And when she saw him, she realized, man, this guy treats women differently. This guy respects people. He cares about people differently. And she was excited. She was ecstatic. She finally found what she was looking for. 
She finally found that guy, and she went home, and she began to tell her mom, Mom, I can't tell you about this. I, I just can't. I got to tell you all about this guy. He's, he's kind, and he's gentle. He's perfect. He loves differently. I've never seen or met a man like that. I can't wait. I want him to be my boyfriend. And she just went on and on to her mother. And then her mother just gently interrupted her. She said, Honey, hold on a second. I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news. But a guy like that isn't looking for a girl like you. Man, that seems pretty harsh from a mom. I mean, what kind of mom says that to her daughter? But it's the truth. And it's the reality we live in today. We think we can do what we want, choose what we want. But when it comes to the person that we desire, it's totally different. And it leaves me with this question I want to ask you today as we start this series on relationships. Are you becoming the kind of person you're longing for? I mean, honestly, are you becoming the spouse, the best spouse, the best husband or wife that you can possibly be? Are you becoming the best future husband or the best future spouse that you can be? Are you becoming the person that you desire to spend the rest of your life with? See, that's really the question we have to answer today. Is who am I becoming? Because who you become is ultimately probably who you will get and who you will be with. And so what does that look like? How do I become the kind of person that God wants me to be. And I'm just going to give you one handle today, one handle that every single person can take and walk away with, and it's this. I'm going to challenge you to spend more time finding fulfillment in him than waiting for it through them. Spend more time finding fulfillment and purpose and significance in Jesus Christ and who he says you are than waiting on your spouse or your dating relationships to give that to you. So what does this look like specifically? Well, I want to talk to two different crowds today. The first crowd I want to talk to is the single crowd. You're here today and you desire to find a spouse, but you're single. And I'm going to challenge every single person to do something that you're not going to want to hear. I'm just going to be honest up front. You're not going to want to hear this. But I'm going to challenge you as a single person for the next six months to a year, push pause on dating. Push pause on dating and say, you know, for the next year, I'm going to allow God to create in me and make me the man or the woman that I need to be for my future spouse. To take a year, an intentional year, and say, you know what, God, pour into me and make me whoever you want me to be for my future wife or my future husband. And I know some of you are in the midst of a dating relationship and you're saying, oh, I don't know, what if they don't wait for me? Well, I tell you, if they don't wait for you, they're not worth it. To pause and say, God, I need more of you before I get any of somebody else. But some of you are married today. How does this apply to you? You know, maybe today your marriage is a little bit rocky. There's some turmoil in your marriage and maybe it's been like that for a little bit or maybe it's been like that for a while. And things are rocky. And here's what I know what the enemy likes to do when marriages get tough. Things aren't going your way. He likes to whisper in your ear that myth. You know, I, you thought they were the right person. 
You thought they were the right person, but you just got it wrong, so let's go find the actual right person for you. And I just want to declare this over every single marriage in, at Northridge Church. The moment you stood before God and looked into the eyes of your spouse and you said, I do, that person became the right person for you. That person is the, the one God intended for you to have. The moment you said, I do, that person is the right person. And don't ever for an instant allow the enemy to whisper in your ear, ah, you, you just got it wrong. Because your marriage is worth fighting for today. And so I would ask you today, are you becoming the best husband or the best wife that you can possibly be? Some of you, you're going to go home and you're going to feel the energy and you're going to be like, yeah, I'm going to become the best wife or the best husband I can be, yeah. And here's why we do it. We go home and we're like, yeah, I'm going to be the best wife or I'm going to be the best husband. You want to know why? So they change. <laughs> so I'm going to do everything I can to let them know that they suck. <laughs> and honestly, we laugh, but that's true. We do all the right things to prove to them they're doing all the wrong things. And that's not what God called you to. It's really not. God called you to be the best wife or the best husband with no expectation that they change. That's what he's calling you to. Every single day, you be the best spouse you can be, and you don't expect anything else from them because that's exactly what Jesus' love looks like. And so I'm going to issue a challenge, really, to every single person in our church. It's called the 20-day challenge. I figured, hey, we're starting off school. We're getting back into the flow of things. What better way to spend than 20 days intentionally investing in your walk with God? And so our team has created a 20-day devotional, a 20-day devotional really built off my messages, expounding our messages. There's going to be some scripture reading. You can dig into God's word. There's going to be some questions that you can examine your own walk with God and your own relationships. And there's going to be some additional resources, blogs that you can read to help you become the person God's calling you to be. And so how do you be a part of this 20-day challenge? Well, you can go to NorthridgeEquip.com, and you, it will be on there every single day. But I want to make it even easier for you. You see, every single person was given a connection card when you walked in the door. And on that connection card, on the bottom of it, is a little box that says 20-day challenge. All you got to do is check that box, write your name down, give us your email, and we will email that devotion to you every single day. If you're a tech person, you take your iPhone or your Android with you every single day, download our app. And on that app, you will see, hey, 20-day challenge. And in fact, if you want a reminder, all you got to do is click on the 20-day challenge, go to settings, turn on your push notifications, and every day we'll remind you, you need to do this. So I'm challenging every single person in our church to take this 20-day challenge where you spend time growing in God. And I promise when you grow in him, he will affect your relationships. This is what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 says, it says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not there yet. There are times in my family and with my kids where I'm not patient. 
There's times in my marriage where I'm not kind to my wife, where I keep a record of wrongs and I use it against her. But I can tell you with everything that I am, I want to be this kind of man for my family and I want to be this kind of man for my wife. I want to be the type of man that always protects that always perseveres, that always hopes, that isn't selfish, that isn't prideful. This is the man I desire to be, and this is the man I desire to become. What about you? And the only reason I can become this man, the only reason you can become this man or woman is because of what Jesus has already done for you, because he set the example for you to follow. Because of Christ's love on the cross, I can obtain this. I can chase after this because of Jesus' love. And at the end of the day, all of us are in this pursuit, whether we're married or single. We're all in this pursuit of love. Some of us want our husband or our wives to love us better. Some of us want to find love. We're all in this chase, this pursuit of love. And here's where I want to leave you today. Since we're all looking for love, I would challenge you, instead of just looking for a love that's hard to find, why not choose to accept his love that's already there? This will change your relationships today. You see, some of you are chasing after love in all the wrong places. You're chasing for meaning and significance and value through a person. And I'm telling you, the moment you accept Jesus Christ's love for you, it's a love that... It, isn't based on who you are. It's not based on whether you fail or not. It's not based on anything you do. It's always there. It's always constant. It's a love that will fight for you even when you won't fight for yourself. And when you choose to embrace his love, it will change your relationships. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the example that you set before us. And God, I just pray today that if there's a person here today that hasn't really accepted your love, that's searching for something greater in a relationship, I pray that they would go to you, God, that they would find their worth, that they would find their value and their hope and their meaning and their purpose in you. And God, may you help me become the best husband I can be. May you help me desire to be what 1 Corinthians says. May you help me to be kind and, and, and loving. May you help me be patient. And God, may you help us all as husbands, as wives, as single people. May you help us become the best person, the best future spouse, or the best spouse that we can be today and tomorrow and the next week and the week after that. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.